Please turn in your Old Testaments to Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 25. Genesis 2, 7 through 25. And let me just say it is great to uh, start having everybody back from their summer stuff. And we're beginning to a new school year, a new ministry year, and it's exciting. Um, it is good. If, if I haven't seen you, if you're coming home later than me, uh, it is great to be home. Uh, it's great to have visitors here this morning at the 8.30 service, and some of them were actually on time. Awesome. Uh, but I want to call us on a journey together this fall. I'd like to ask the question, what would it look like for us to live our lives more into focus according to what God says our lives can be? You know, we have a lot of things in our lives and we have lots of choices and I think never before in human history have there been so many moving pieces, so many things. Uh, and, and if we're not careful, kind of the math of all that just doesn't add up to the life we would really want. And the life that God wants to give us. The life that God is trying to give us. So uh, let's go on this journey. And I want to start just with the, uh, the ideas of where, what, and who. We're going to get real basic from Genesis. You want to know what human life looks like? You go back to the beginning when God put man in a garden and said, this is what life is. Before there was ever a sin, before there was a fall, before there was selfishness, here it is. So we're going to go back and it is where... God has put you to live, what God has put in your hands to do, and who God has put in your life to love. So let me say that again and we'll read the text. Where God has put you to live, what God has put in your hands to do, and who God has put in your life to love. Genesis 2, beginning with verse 7, and this is the word of the Lord. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man where he had for that he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there too. Verses 10 through 14 talk about the four rivers that geographically frame the Garden of Eden. Uh, we obviously know the Tigris and Euphrates. We're not sure of the location uh, today of the others. We get to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden in order to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper suitable fit for him, now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what the man would call them. And whatever the man called, every living creature, that was its name. And man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was no suitable helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, 
He took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought the woman unto the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and the two shall become one, united and become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. I want to begin with the first question, and that is a focus on where God has put you. Genesis 2.8 talks about a very special place that God created artistically with great detail for Adam to live. The text does not just say, God created the world, like the whole world, and put Adam in it. And you know what I have never seen before until now. That's the great thing about being a preacher. You learn all kinds of stuff every week. And you get killed by God every week in the study. And I get to pass some pain along to you every once in a while too. But uh, anyway, it doesn't just say God made the world and put Adam in the world. It doesn't even say God made, the, the, made Eden, which obviously is a very large place framed by four rivers. And he put Adam in the midst of Eden. No What it says in verse 8 is the Lord God, listen to these words, planted a garden in Eden. Meaning that within this expanse of land, there was a special place made for Adam to live in. A special place that says there were just beautiful plants that that they were so beautiful to the eye that there were plants just sumptuous to the taste that there was everything wonderful and good and and the rest of Eden was wonderful and good too but this was a place for Adam you understand what I'm saying it's really a beautiful thing you know what Eden means the the Hebrew word for Eden means delight I mean that's God's intention God created man in his own image and put him in the garden of delight and it's all good as we say and and especially this place. God put Adam in this garden in Edom. May we use the word placed, which means to be put in a place. God placed Adam and this is the place, this garden in Eden, where Adam is to glorify God and enjoy God and enjoy his creation and live out life as a, a, a full human being with God and before God's face. So, what does it mean to glorify God in a place? You know, ever since the Garden of Eden, we too can only be in one place at one time. Now, I know this is hard to believe because of modern technology and communications. We almost think that we can be in several places at one time. And let me tell you, how beautiful is this? That you can, the spatial limits of your influence are pushed way out. You can talk to people across the world. You can talk to people across town. I mean, it's it's really amazing. I mean, people people that, that, let's say, died 30 years ago, if they were to be placed back on the earth, or 40 years ago, would just be 
flabbergasted at, at, at what is actually available talking to people on hand devices and seeing their face while you're talking on the other side of the world. I mean, y'all know we live in incredible times. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. And I realize that phones, email, Skype, etc., they have pushed these spatial limits of, of influence, and it is so good in so many ways, it's there for us to use for God's glory. And who could, who could question the, the, the beneficial utility of it? But you still have to live your life in one place. And that's what we need to focus on. God puts you in a place. And you have to live your life there. This, this degree of challenge that we have with, with the, these wonderful things, uh, with the abilities that we have at a punch of a button, at a, even a voice command, is very new. And might I say, new things have to be thought through just as old things were, scripturally, Christianly. Um, how sad to be spread all over the world through technology and not live a rooted, rich life where you actually are. God put us in a place. And God wants to bless us in a place and He wants us to live our lives where we are and He wants us to use technology and expand the spatial limits of our influence as well. God in Genesis is saying to Adam... Here's your place. Embrace your place. I want, I want you to do that. I want you to think about what it would mean to embrace your place. Some of you don't like the place where you are. Doesn't matter. God has put you here. You are to embrace your place. It, it may not be where you live the rest of your life. Doesn't matter. You can only live in one place at one time, and we are to glorify God in that place. Acts 17.26, one of my favorite verses about this. I remember the first time I read this, I was just blown away. From one man, he, God, created every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he has determined the time set for them and the exact places they should live. Isn't that amazing? So it's like God's got the whole earth figured out. God sent people all the but He has determined the exact places and the exact times that you will be in various places that He sovereignly has put you. And God made a garden, and God put the man in the garden. Living into focus. Maybe we start by embracing our place. I thought about this over the last three months. And you know what I, you know what I figured out? I mean, maybe this is trivial, but it, it kind of shows that I need, to, I need to take this to heart. I've never been on a tour of the Capitol. This is like the head of government of the entire state. I'm going to do that. You know why? Because I need to embrace my place. I need to get over and meet some of the people in these new businesses that run these businesses across the street in the township and down here. You know why? Because this is my place. I need to know the people in my neighborhood because this is my place. What about you? You ever heard of the Eat Local campaign? You know what Eat Local is like? Buy local vegetables and local produce. It's, it supports the local farmers. It's more healthy for you. It doesn't have to be refrigerated and all this DDT or whatever. I don't know what it is, but 
Hey, how, how about live local? How about live local? How about live all out right here in your own skin in the place God's put you? Embrace your place. So first is you want to live in the focus. Genesis says it's about where God has put you to live. Secondly is what God has put in your hands to do. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden in order to work and keep the garden. Okay, there it is. There's purpose given. There's kind of a beneficial fruitfulness of applying oneself, one's talents and gifts, to be able to see things created. And um, Genesis 1.8 certainly talks about this. It's what we call the cultural mandate, meaning the mandate of human beings and what we do with the earth and cultures. The cultural mandate, Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Talking about human beings, fill the earth and subdue it. Make it work for you. Have dominion over it all. The fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over everything that moves along the earth. God put him in a garden and said, I want you to tend this garden. I want you to work and keep it. Now, I have to say, uh, before we kind of look at our lives in reference to this, that not every scholar believes that this means work and keep. Depending on how you look at the language, this very well might could say to worship and obey God. That God put him in the garden to worship and obey or to work and to keep, depending on how you translate um, a particular phrase. And, and worship and obey works too, doesn't it? Worship and obey works. Um, certainly what, what comes next, uh, do not eat from the garden, from the tree in the middle of the garden, is to obey. But in Genesis 3.8, what do we read? God came to walk with Adam in the cool of the day. And this is after the fall, or after the sin. He goes, where are you? The idea was God met Adam like, hey, I'm here, where are you? Hey, I love you. I walk with you. This is awesome. This is great. This is what I created you for. Where are you? It's really a, not a, Adam, where are you? It's really a sad thing. Adam, why aren't you here for our time? Where God is in that garden, walking with Adam. And, um, and, and the idea, the first purpose of man is to worship God, his creator, the one he's made in the image of. The first thing is to know God and to love God. And a part of worshiping and knowing and loving God might be to, to fulfill the tasks with the gifts and talents to glorify Him that He's given you to work and keep, you see. To subdue the earth. So both of, the, both of these works work. Um, the idea of work and keep is the idea of what's called vocation. Uh, or God-glorifying use of, of talents given for fruitful work that glorifies Him. It is good to be helpful. It is good to be fruitful. This is before the fall. It's good. It's, man, it's one of the chief purposes of man, to use what God has given you to better what is there. And it's one of the ways we worship and obey God, frankly, from the teacher to the doctor 
the firefighter, the police, the person that keeps the peace, the architect, um, the homemaker. Yes, that is a vocation. Don't say, I I quit working. Y'all know better than that. From the clerk at the store to the CEO, it's all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether it in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What would that look like for you to, to kind of rethink, hey, I'm going to live in one place, I'm here. Embrace your place. Hey, I am, I've been put here by God in this, this vocation and for these purposes. Grab it. Glorify God with it. You know, uh, in my vocation... The, the bad example I think of is, is the, the minister, and Brad would readily agree with this. I mean, we, a lot of our counseling of other ministers sometimes has to do with the guy that just would really like to be somewhere else. He just would like to be somewhere else. That's just the, the, that's just the naked fact. And he's focused on somewhere else. And he's focused on what he might be like somewhere else and what people might think of him somewhere else. He's not happy, and meanwhile his ministry suffers from lack of focus and love and leadership as a shepherd, not to mention the fact that his family has to put up with all that. Unhappiness. Needless unhappiness. And God is saying, hey, I put you in that place with these people for this purpose. Grab it. Go with it. That's the case for more than ministers, isn't it? including homemakers. Be all there. Frankly, here's a little secret. You want what you might think is a better job, you want a better job, then won't you be really good at the one you have? And let people see how excellent you are, and maybe there'll be a better one. I don't even know how to say better. That's why I'm doing air quotes on better. There's a little secret for you. God actually blesses that focus of what He has put into our hands. Do it with all your heart. And life's just more meaningful, isn't it, when we show up for our own lives? It just is. Life's just more meaningful when we show up and grab it and give and see fruit. What has God put into your hands to do? Even if you're retired, you must ask that question. What has God given you? What can you bless others with? What talents, what, in, what intellectual understanding have you gained? What wisdom have you gained? What abilities have you gained that you can be helpful, you can contribute, and you can provide fruitfulness in this world to the glory of God? We need to think about this if we would live into focus. Boy, let me tell you, if you hate your place and you hate your vocation, this is pretty tough so far, isn't it? So, where God has put you to live, what God has put in your hands to do. Lastly is who God has put in your life to love. Who God has put in your life to love. God made a woman out of the man. Notice the text. And he, back to place, he brought her. He literally took her spatially, 
and said, you're going to live in this space with this person. And it's going to be called marriage. And it's going to be the total sharing of lives. It's going to be two becoming one. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be authentic. And you're not going to be ashamed. And you're going to be able to be honest. And you're going to be able to to love and share. And there will be nakedness in every kind of way without shame. It is a beautiful thing. Who has God put into your life to love? You know, marriage is kind of just the original of all human societies. Everything else comes from marriage. Why is marriage sacred? There aren't any human societies without marriage. It's the mother of all of it. But there are other human societies, and there are brothers and sisters, right? And there are moms and dads, and there are aunts and uncles, and there are friends, and there is the body of Christ and these people that want to help you raise your children or want to live your, help you live that single life to the glory of God, bring some wisdom to, or whatever it is. We, we'll be there for you, you know? This is the people God has put into your life to love. But you know, the truth is, we struggle with this. We, I, you, all of us, okay? We spend so much time looking into the lives of other people that we don't even know. I mean, that's what the whole celebrity thing is about. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask questions about celebrities. I didn't say they shouldn't use technology. I'm not a Luddite, you know. I'm I'm not here protesting. But frankly, there are people who know more about celebrities than they know about their own family. There are people who know about celebrities more than they even know about their own life. And I just use that as an example because it's just so prominent in our world. Who are these people? Are you going to ever know them? Are you going to ever be able to help them, love them, care for them? The answer is no. Unless you move to Hollywood. And with all the wonderful capability of our technology and for Facebook blah, 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 etc., especially to keep up with people we do know and love. To me, that is the most beautiful thing about that technology. For people you actually do know and love, that can be used in a, in a very good way. And particularly people that live on the other side of the world that you know and love, and to be able to see their faces, etc. I mean, this is incredible. It is truly amazing, isn't it? The times we live in. This is so beautiful. And yet one of the dark sides is all the personal energy wasted on people that you don't even know and you won't know. I mean, who are these friends? Who are these friends of friends that you've never seen them before in your life and you're just totally checking out everything about their life when the people God has put in our lives might be needing our lives, touching their lives. The people in our lives that God's actually placed spatially in our lives might need our focus. They need more than the leftovers from everything else. And we need more than the leftovers from everything else in their life. The Garden of Eden really is about a woman being created and brought to the man and how they really do have that focus of love and oneness, you see. And naked and unashamed. It is so beautiful. 
You know, we hadn't even gotten, and I don't want to spend too much on this, all the life choices that just shatter our families. All the great things that just fritter away our opportunity to live in the focus. Shatter our opportunities for our family. Shatter our opportunities for our friends. Shatter our opportunities for the body of Christ, which is the only thing that's going to remain when it's all said and done. You know, you, you think about it. The mod- it's hard to, to have a family today. Well, listen, I'm not wagging my finger. I'm just going to tell you right now. We've got to discern the times, right? And we've got to live Christianly in these times. So, you know, to shout at it, I'm saying all this is wonderful. we just got to put it in its proper place so we can live in our place, doing what God's put in our hands and love the people that God has put in our lives. You know, you think about the family, and you think about how the family uh, resembles more of a, a, a train station than a family. I mean, it's just kind of where, where folks are coming in from their, their latest uh, practice or program or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, and, and they're all coming in for a short layover before they're on to their next task, and, and the members of the family aren't even there having layovers together. It's crazy. I think anybody who is honest and fully vested in modern life will look up from time to time and say, this is crazy. You know, more doesn't always equal more. Here's a great example. And this is the one, like, there's to, like people try to put statistics on this. I don't know how they do it. I mean, I'm not sure how they ask people whether you eat dinner together. I've never been asked for a survey if I eat dinner with my family. Okay, so that, you know, that's the one you hear about the most, right? How many, people, how, how many times a week do families, quote, eat dinner together? Eating dinner together, good thing or bad thing? Depends on whose hormones are doing what, I guess, on a given day. But generally, that's a good thing, right? Well, you know this little statistic under the statistics is people eating together with all their screens on the table up. That's what we don't see. So it, the, the amount of people who eat together is small. The amount of people who eat together and actually talk to each other is even smaller. <laughs> and family time has become like a cartoon. You know, the cartoon where everybody's got their screen up or maybe everybody's got their food, taking it to the room, or I'll be there in a minute, I've got to finish this movie and I'm going to eat it at a different time, whatever. But you can see this cartoon and little Johnny, you see the bubble? Little Johnny says, I just love family time. Well, we see that and we laugh. But when we see it in real life, we, it's really not funny. And it's just way out of Genesis 2, 8. Through 27. It's just way out of accord. So what could it look like? Relationships require sustained focus in a place. He brought the woman to the man. There was this focus. There, there was this oneness. And even friends. It, it, you gotta, you got to stay in touch, right? We don't talk to each other but every 10 years. But when we talk, we just feel so close. Well, okay, you say so. (laughs) That's cool. I think that's just like modern for we're not really close friends anymore, but we don't really want to 
actually say it out loud. And we really do care and we really would like to know what that, that person's doing. But this isn't quite exactly the, the kind of friendship that, that we're yearning for, right? What would it look like to focus in on the question, who has God put in my life to love? And what could be the blessing of more sustained focus in that? It would look like us beginning to simplify our lives. Beginning to make these things we don't like called choices. Look, I'm not telling you what to choose. All of it's good. If you are thinking that I'm secretly saying that sports is not good or the internet's not good, you know, that's just the devil trying to get you off the main point that there's something better and all that can serve the better. I love sports. I love modern communications. I need to make my own choices. It would it require some, some simplifying. It would require some prioritizing and, and focusing in. And that would include the body of Christ. That would even include our neighborhoods. By the way, if you weren't here last week, real quick, we're launching a church-wide initiative called Three of Five. You know, there's your house, and there's like the one next to you, next the other side of you, the two across the street, and the one in front of you. That's one, two, three, four, five. Between now and December 31st, we want to ask the question, what would it look like just to kind of focus in on some of the people God's put us with, meaning our, our neighbors, like next-door neighbors, and uh, we're not asking you to have five of five into your home, just three of five, because some people just have people they just don't want to have in their home, and they'll just won't do it at all. And I, I get that. And we're not saying you got to serve dinner. Maybe you just have coffee. Maybe you can sit on the porch and, with a beverage of your choice one late afternoon or something. I don't know. But, but let me tell you the goal of this. The goal of this isn't to say, are you saved, brother? The goal of this is not to talk about Highlands Presbyterian Church. No, the goal of this is to say, tell me about you. And just listen to their story. The goal of this is to get a clue as to one way, even if it's small, that we could serve those people and love those people and maybe make a step in a direction toward knowing those people. It's called Three of Five. Um, we're using the city to, to kind of report. We're not using names. We're not using anything. But I hope you'll come along with us. A lot of people are excited about it. I'm already hearing about it. Could we ask the Lord for the ability to say, God, I can live right here with you. I can live right here, right now with you, God. And I can love these people that you've given me. And I can be fruitful. I can grab it, Lord. And I feel that it's worth it. God, please help me to live into focus. But let's move to the table. Speaking of focus, you understand what this table is about? This table is about God. God left a place, the throne, and came to our place, was born into our world. God became one of us. He lived in a place, and he died in a place. Interesting word coming up. Specifically to take my place. Isn't that amazing? You see, this whole thing about place and purpose and love, 
is best illustrated by Jesus. And I can know Him because of this table that symbolizes that cross. I can know Him. I can love Him. I can follow Him in this place. And finally, I want us to just remember the words of John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Because in my Father's house... There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare what? A place for you. That I might be with you in that place forever through this table. Let's pray. Lord. Even as we come to the table, let that be a communion, truly a a relationship, a connection, a participation with you, as well as a remembering that you left one place, came to another, and took our place. Thank you, God, that you've, you've got it all in your hands, even to the end of the age, even beyond in that place you have prepared. Lord, would you settle our hearts, and would you cause us to have that desire following you to live more into focus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.